Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to On Brand With. Through this podcast, I want to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences of me and my guests. Over the coming episodes, I will talk to a range of people I know and admire and ask them about the different ways they use their personal brand, the positive benefits it can bring and what best practice looks like in the real world. Today's podcast is a little different. My guest is Mercedes Gutierrez Mares, a dietitian, a coach, and in her words, a well-being ambassador. Mercedes is not your usual nutritionist, as you will hear from our conversation. She is so much more. In her native country of Mexico, she was a master clinical nutritionist in a hospital in Mexico City and she has a master's in positive psychology to her name. She's also currently studying psychology as a postgrad diploma. Her list of qualifications is impressive. Now, I met Mercedes this time last year when I enrolled on a lifestyle coaching program to guide me on fitness and nutrition. I got so much more than I was expecting. During the 12-week programme, Mercedes shared tools and strategies that went far beyond nutrition and I believe have helped me cope over the last 12 months in this roller coaster of the pandemic. I asked her to be my guest today as I know we have shared values and at times our approach with clients is very similar and I truly believe that our personal brand and our identity start within, including our own well-being. In short, if we feel good, chances are we will perform better. So I ask you to take what you need from this conversation. You may be across your nutrition and health and exercise, but I promise her wise words and advice will be relevant to you in some way and stand you in good stead, whatever your situation. So I started by asking Mercedes how this Mexican nutritionist found herself in London. that my story is like a fairy tale story so I was um, I was married very young and I after seven years of marriage my marriage came to an end Mm -hmm. so I divorced and during the time that I was uh, well in but by the end of my marriage it was at the same time that I completed my master's degree in positive psychology which I did in an online program in the University of East London So um, I came to London for my graduation by myself. I had just signed my divorce. So of course that was very, very raw. And uh, the first day that I arrived in London, of course I didn't have uh, a Wi-Fi signal in in my mobile. So I got lost in the street. And a very handsome Italian guy spotted me and he um, offered his help. Mm-hmm. So I said that, yes, of course, because I had no idea where I was going. And he, he walked me. I was going to meet a friend 
uh, in a pub. So he offered to walk me to that place because I was totally going in the wrong direction. So we start um, speaking and it turned out that he spoke Spanish. And that's how the story began. A year later, we were married and I moved to London. So this is your lovely Sicilian husband, is that right? Yes. Yeah, and you are originally from Mexico, is Yes, I'm from Mexico City. And mum and dad and family are still out in Mexico, are they? Yes, I have um, a sister and a brother. My mum and dad and my sister are still living in Mexico City and my brother, he lives in Vancouver. Wow, so you're all spread. You have such an international life, don't you? You're (laughs) in London, you're married to an Italian. And so... Was it always an ambition to come to London or...? Well, I never thought this was going to happen to me. Um, I, I just thought that I was going to live in Mexico. I, before coming to London, I lived two years in Brazil, but it was always something that was momentary. So I always thought that I was going to live in Mexico. I have my practice back there in a, in a very renowned hospital. Um, I still have the space and I rent it, but I share this because I really thought in my mind that that was going to be the place where I was going to grow old. So no, this was just uh, fate, and but it has been one of the most wonderful surprises that life has had for me. What a beautiful story. Thank and you. so what brought you into the world of nutrition and well, health? I think that I was very lucky because, well, now that I have all the expertise that I do, I know that how common it is for women to struggle with the relationship with food and their body. But when I say that I was lucky, it's because I faced this struggle uh, at the same time where I was choosing what to study. So I was struggling a lot with, with my weight and with my self-confidence and my image when I was a teenager. So of course, I was very, very interested in understanding uh, what could I do to make it better. So that's why I decided to study nutrition. Um, It was something that I decided from one day to the other. I just woke up and I said, I want to be a nutritionist. In Mexico, dietitians are known as nutritionists. So Mm -hmm. in Mexico, I'm a nutritionist. I started studying everything about nutrition, metabolism, physiology, different dietary theories. And of course, knowledge is is power. Mm -hmm. I think that the more you know about how your body works and the effect that nutrients have in your body, uh, the more uh, informed you are to make choices. But it's not the whole picture. So I learned that even if I knew everything about how nutrients were absorbed, I still couldn't control how I felt about myself or the guilt that I felt when I ate something that wasn't considered healthy. So I started a a journey with myself where I started to meditate. And soon enough, I thought that if it was, it has been so helpful for me, it would be very helpful for other people. So after I completed my bachelor's degree, I did a master's in clinical nutrition, which was very, very focused in the the prevention and the management of diseases. 
but still it was very gratifying for me to work with clients when they were in the hospital in the hospital or in the intensive care unit but it was frustrating that after they left they went back to their old, old habits mm-hmm. so i decided that i wanted to work in something that had a deep impact in people's lives and that's how i ended uh working with chronic diseases and overweight and obesity and when i found that um i understood that it wasn't only my case um that i even though i had the knowledge i still struggled to to eat in a way that i that made me feel great not only good but made me feel fulfilled and and have energy uh, without experiencing guilt so when i started practicing i saw that it was something that was very 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 common and i've always been a person who is very warm so people started opening up with me during consultations and i had the opportunity to see that it was something that went deeper Mm-hmm. And that's how I became interested in psychology. So I dis- I I didn't know what I was going to study, but I um came became familiar with positive psychology that is uh, the branch of psychology that studies well-being and obviously that was just what I was looking for. So I started studying my master's degree in positive psychology and at the same time, well I had been meditating for a while, but again I knew what kind of meditations were helpful for me but i i know that we are all different and certainly there were going to be people who needed different interventions so i went back to university and i studied a year long uh, professional teacher training in mindfulness for health promotion at the same time that i was doing the master's degree in positive psychology So I ended uh, doing a dissertation that was uh, an online online program, which was a combination of positive psychology and mindfulness to increase uh, people's well-being and their ability to um, follow healthy dietary guidance. And so can I just ask you there then, Mercedes? Are you finding and have you found over the years that? the people that you work with your clients because you're working with them holistically and you're working on the psychology that the impact of their work with you goes far beyond weight loss and health and being leaner or whatever it is their physical changes are they having impacts in different parts of their lives absolutely and then that is one of the things that i love the most of my work um I also teach at university so whenever and and I'm currently I'm teaching a, a subject that is about the application of of positive psychology and mindfulness to to nutrition and dietetics and my students tell me that if a client comes to you asking for a diet how do you start working with a psychological part mm-hmm. and the thing is that this is something that gives you the opportunity of course probably if you come here and ask me for for a diet I'm not necessarily going to tell you the first time well but you're going to get so uh so many different results in different areas of your of your life because probably that's not what you're looking at but when we start working um the different techniques and and the different strategies that I use are uh designed to ensure that the the change in your lifestyle is not only about what you eat it's about how do you feel about yourself 
because if you feel better about yourself you're going to feel motivated you're going to feel worthy you're going to feel like you deserve to make the effort mm -hmm. for yourself so your mentality changes totally from a place where you need to stick to a diet because you are not good enough to a, a mentality where you are um, doing different choices you're making different choices but because you are worthy of it you deserve it and you are not faulty you just have identified that there are some actions that might benefit you and that might help you to fulfill your your different areas in your life and it becomes a virtuous cycle mm -hmm. so you start feeling better with yourself you start identifying how a lot of the uh, struggles in your relationships aren't necessarily um, a reflection of yourself are they have to do with insecurities and the struggles that each person has so you start feeling a lot better about yourself because you, you start having a, a more compassionate view towards yourself and towards the people around you mm -hmm. and this allows you to get into a place where it's a lot easier to make the right choices in terms of eating in terms of moving in terms of your self-care And then when you start eating and moving and your self-care, it makes you feel better and it makes you feel stronger and it puts you in a better place to take care of the other parts. So it becomes a virtual cycle. I, I heard something on a, diff, on a podcast a few weeks, a couple of uh, weeks ago, how actually we are a product of the choices that we have made at a point earlier in our lives and it's those daily choices and I know from working with you and um, you know you said something lovely there that people you are a warm person and that's something I talk to talk with my clients about that warmth is incredibly important because that's how we build trust and I think what you do so well is you build that trust and therefore people do open up and therefore you can have a much more effective relationship can't you especially when you're working online with people Yes, I know that you are a big uh, Brené Brown fan, yeah. and she. I remember that I read her book, well, one of her first books, like 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and she wasn't as well known as she's today, of course, but when I was reading her book, it was like, oh my God, if you are brave enough to share your vulnerability with other people you just normalize the fact that we are vulnerable. And if being vulnerable is something normal, people can share it. And all the shame that comes uh, behind feeling that you are the only one that is struggling with something goes away. And you are able to uh, share your experiences and learn a lot from other people's experiences. So you don't have to go through the pathway alone mm -hmm. and learn all the things by your own. So I think that uh, that was um, a very important um, line, a very important guideline. Uh, I think that I have always been a, a warm person, but of course, I didn't really know how professional it was to be warm. Mm -hmm. um, I think that most of us are used to be warm with our friends or with our family, Absolutely. but m most of the times being warm in the workplace is perceived like a little bit not so professional. Mm -hmm. So, um, but once you start doing it, 
And it's not about being warm because you start becoming careless. You are being warm because you are really taking care of that person as a whole. And you are so interested in they being um, willing to open up themselves that you can open up yourself to model a little bit of what you wish them to do. I think that is such a powerful message, Mercedes, and I think especially at the moment over the last nearly 12 months that we're going through, and actually when I was working with you in our coaching programme, in our, our group, I found that some of the t uh, tools that you shared, even though we all joined the group from a health point of view, I felt some of those tools that you shared really helped me through those first days of the pandemic and an understanding and being kind to myself and I do think that and I really truly hope that one of the things that's come out of the pandemic is that we have all been a little bit more vulnerable and we have all perhaps shown up that bit more as ourselves in all our I think this is another Brené phrase but in all our imperfect perfect glory and I've said to you before I, I struggle with perfectionism my joke that I'm a recovering perfectionist but you know it's that taking it step by step and and progress not perfection and I do feel that during the pandemic from a mental health point of view we've all been able to be a little bit more honest yes I think that whenever we find again a commonality uh, when you identify some of your own characteristics in others, you definitely understand that you don't have to suffer alone. Mm. You don't need to, um, to try to um, disguise it because you can identify that the other person is also experiencing it. And sometimes it's the, it's the desire to help the other person, a beloved friend because you can identify that she's going through the same isolation that you were going, that you're going, but you found something that was helpful for you, so you want to share it with her. Mm -hmm. or, or it might be that she is the one who starts the conversation, but she shares it with you. So I really think that uh, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is exactly that, that we are all put in a vulnerable position together and that there's no way to hide it mm -hmm. so we can accept it it doesn't feel as threatening to to share that we are struggling so well there's always something good yes it's as if we give it's as if we give each other permission isn't it by exactly. showing up ourselves exactly so you, you describe yourself as a well-being ambassador and you've talked about the psychology and you've talked about health and I know you're a believer in exercise as well, obviously, but um, do you feel that this approach these days to a more holistic approach to looking after ourselves, so the mental well-being, there's so much talked about sleep these days as well, do you feel that this has been a, a long-needed discussion, that it's a really holistic approach? Yes, of course, because what's the, even if for someone who just wants to lose a couple of uh, pounds because she wants to feel better in her mm -hmm. own skin. What's the real motivation behind that? The real motivation is that she wants to feel better. Mm -hmm. 
for someone who's struggling with obesity that needs to lose a couple of stones, what's the motivation behind that? Well, probably it might be a dress, but if you go deeper, the motivation is that she wants to feel better. Mm-hmm. So why would we waste, why would we waste um, working with all the different factors that can make a person really feel better if ultimately that is their goal? So if we can work with obviously what we eat, with uh, the way that we are moving our bodies, how we are allowing it to rest, uh, how we are speaking to ourselves, how we are reacting to other people's comments and their own struggles, all that is going to have an impact in, in the way that you feel about yourself. And in the end, that is why people can lose two pounds And after working with all of this, they feel like the change is monumental, even if in the scale that only is two pounds. Mm -hmm. And this is something that applies also for people who lose 30 kilos, but it was all about restriction and all about calorie counting. They didn't really get to know themselves and what is behind um, their struggle with eating, what is behind their... Uh, lack of enjoyment in physical activity or their negative relationships with other people. So at the moment that they stop with that strategy, their well-being hasn't really changed. Yeah, I suppose it's like putting a sticking plaster on it, isn't it? It's knowing it's the healing underneath. Exactly. And then there's something very interesting that is... Uh, unfortunately, we have we've had this very shallow approach to to health, and it has gotten therefore dietetics, nutrition, well-being has gotten a very uh, pure reputation. Uh, and then other approaches as non-diet approach, and um, approaches like that are gaining a lot of popularity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is wonderful. I also think that. As I started sharing, knowledge is power. So we need to use all the knowledge, all the scientific knowledge that we have to guide our actions at the same time while we are working with all the other areas of our life. I think that if we are able to combine those both aspects without saying that one is better than the other, Mm -hmm. then the result can really be something substantial and something that is sustainable throughout time. You see, I and I think you're so generous on your Instagram. You share so much balanced but so much useful information and I find it incredibly refreshing. But I just wonder because I find it interesting in that we're all the same underneath, aren't we? We all have the same vulnerabilities and, and I know that you've worked in quite a high-profile clinic in the past and probably work with some people that are high profile and actually they have exactly the same worries the same as joe blogs that that lives down the street we all have that worry that we want to feel good about ourselves we want to be liked we want to be healthy we have those same fears yet the um, tools, techniques have to be adapted to each and every one of them. It, it's mm-hmm. a it's a little bit of a 
um, it's, it's a little bit inconsistent, isn't it, that we all have the same issue, the same challenges quite often. It might manis- manifest itself in different ways, but actually, depending on our lifestyle, our age, where we are, then we perhaps need a different approach. Yes, I think that we are all born very alike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, all of us are born in a different environment. And as we start collecting life experiences, um, we are uh, changed and transformed according to what we experience. But in the end, we are still that same person that has the same needs that every human has. So what is very important is to be able to get to that uh, raw need to really be able to work with that. But the only way to get to that is going through all the experiences, taking into into consideration all the experiences, the environment, uh, the kind of society that that person lives, because the strategies that are going to help you to get through that raw need needs to be um, adequate for you to really be uncovering the different layers. And this, of course, as you say, is not going to be the same for everyone. And that is why it's very important that we keep reminding ourselves that as uh, professionals, because the fact that one approach helped 10 of your clients or, or, or that it helped yourself, in my case, I know that there are things that work for me, but you always need to be mindful that I'm not everyone. Mm. So there are going to be people who are going to need something very different or something alike, but that has been adapted mm-hmm. to, uh, to fit their own particular needs. And I noticed on your, your lovely website that you talked about um, how when, when people work with you that you don't do one-off consultations and, mm. and I found that really quite interesting because when I'm working with people people will say well can I just have one session and whatever it is that when you're looking at transformation for me it's an ongoing it isn't a quick fix and I think sometimes people are looking for the quick fix they want the magic wand but I truly believe that anything worth having is is hard work sometimes and often it's the consistency and that and it's the accountability that and it's that support as much as the technical expertise that is helping people and I think that's in my world in my coaching world and in yours would you agree yes of course I think that um well it's very important that both of you, you as the expert uh, in the subject and the client as the expert in him or herself, are really committed Mm -hmm. to go through a process and to invest time, energy, effort. If one of the parts isn't convinced or isn't committed to do that, you're already starting in a difficult position. The other important thing is that because of the kind of work that I do is very holistic, I really need to get to know you very, very Mm in-depth so I can really provide you with the best strategies and the best uh, alternatives or I can guide you to uh, really identify what is going to work for you. And if I'm being totally honest, that demands a lot of my energy, Mm -hmm. a huge amount of energy. 
So I always think that I love to do what I do, but I love to do it when I can see the results. Mm -hmm. And you know, because you've worked with me, that throughout the process, there are times where you feel a little bit challenged, where you feel a little bit uncomfortable, when you find things about yourself that you weren't really expecting. And if you offer one of appointments, that uh, discomfort that is part of the process might lead the person to not come back. And when they are committed to the process, they know that they are going to come back next week and they are going to show up. And uh, that's how people grow. That's how change happens. Because you know that you're going to have some struggles, but you know that you are still going to fail, to, to, to show up. What a beautiful way of putting it, Mercedes. Yeah, it's, it is how people grow, but it, it's through the challenges that we grow, isn't it? Yes, In all absolutely. parts of our life. Yeah. And do you, do you, you'll understand what I mean by this. Do you collect clients? Because I know that you're invested in people, but I know when I work with people, I get so invested in them and I, I become so invested in their progress that I imagine that it's hard to, I mean, people move on in their lives, but I bet you're always wondering how they're going on and Yes, and, and that's something wonderful. I recently um, completed my accreditation process with the European Mentoring and Coaching Council mm -hmm. and to prove my uh, the years that I've been working as a coach, I needed uh, to provide some documents. And amongst those were uh, feedback from my clients from years and years and years ago. So I had to contact clients that I had worked with in 2013, wow. 2012, and I had, to, I, I had to touch base with them. And, um, and you know what, Deborah, what is amazing is that the relationship becomes so strong mm. that it becomes just like a, an old friendship where a lot of things change, but you still have that bond. And uh, it's wonderful. I was surprised with the, with the amount of, of feedbacks that I got because, of course, I, didn't, I, I hadn't had contact with m many of them and social media is, is recent. So um, I was surprised with the, with the reply and I was particularly fascinated and, and it made me feel proud, of course, but it also was... Uh, like a feeling of awe to see how the concepts that sometimes I believed that were uh, that I was just throwing there without them perceiving them had really made an impact and eight years after that they were still something that uh, was guiding them in some way that's incredibly powerful isn't it yes. and so and and you've hit on something there about social media so do you have a bit of a, a love-hate relationship with social media? Because I know that you use Instagram a lot and it's a great platform for you to be able to share content and support people. But I also know that you're a huge ambassador for mental health and have your own challenges there. And therefore, do you find that it is a, it is a bit of a double-edged sword? Yes, I think so. Totally. I agree. Um, there are so many people who struggle with with uh, 
abusing social media mm-hmm. and it be- begins like something totally recreate recreational fun you are supporting other people but it absorbs you so yeah. uh, I I always need to be very mindful of the energy that I invest mm-hmm. and not only that but the energy that I absorb because Uh, people are going to be there and they are going to say whatever they want so you you are not going to be able to please everyone and at the same time uh, as we have discussed before it tends to be a very superficial uh, insight into people's lives so it's very prone to having you comparing your behind the scenes with their three moments of perfect lighting and makeup you know <laughs> and and on the other hand i think it's also a great responsibility because having a following it's very easy to start behaving like my life is perfect and i don't want to show any flaws and mm-hmm. um, so i think it's something for which mindfulness has been very very helpful in my case because it allows me to observe how I am reacting to the interaction that I get and also how I am um, inputting uh, information and uh, images. How am I triggering other people? Mm. Yes. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about how I often talk to people about their personal brand and there's an assumption sometimes that personal branding can be quite superficial and it's a, it is that Instagram feed and that beautifully curated feed and it's how people show up. But my belief on personal branding and identity is everything that we're talking about. It's that inner work, it's about knowing who you are, it's about knowing your values, your purpose in life, being able to show up and be vulnerable. And by doing that, then people are able to connect with you, which is what we're looking for, isn't it? That engagement. Yes, of course, um, because you put up, you, you well, in my case, I, I put so much energy to, to share things there that there's nothing better than to see that it was useful for people that it really resonated with them. So it's lovely to see that. But then we also need to be mindful of what am I getting from it? Mm -hmm. Is it that I'm getting my dopamine uh, rush with every like that I get? Or or is it still my way of sharing with other people? So you need to be very, very, very mindful because it can become something very disruptive Mm-hmm. And I've known influencers who started as totally healthy people mm-hmm. uh, with values who have gone to burnout because mm-hmm. of overuse of social media. Yeah, absolutely. So how has the last, how has the pandemic been for you? Because it must be, you have your lovely husband, mm-hmm. but it must be hard to be away from home and I'm sure you must miss your family desperately how have you coped you know how have you learned used all your expertise because sometimes it's it's more challenging to follow our own advice isn't it it's easier to give it to other people so how have you coped with the pandemic what sort of things have you done to look after yourself well I think that in my case the most 
because it was almost at the same time that I moved to the UK. What has been most challenging for me is the lack of sunlight. So I, I mean, my family is healthy, uh, my husband and I are healthy. So yes, the pandemic has been um, disruptive, but if I'm totally honest, this has allowed me to spend all the time with my husband that I wouldn't be able to because he works in the casino industry. So usually mm -hmm. I work by day and then he works by night. And sometimes he, well, most of the times he works on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So this has allowed, allowed us to be together 24 seven, which, which has been amazing. Mm -hmm. However, what I have struggled the most is with a lack of sun. I know this is something that people who were born here struggle with, mm -hmm. but I, coming <laughs> from Mexico, from sunny Mexico, and the only other country that I lived in was Brazil, uh, it's absolutely, it's something totally new. So I wasn't really aware of the impact that this, it, this was going to have, but it, this had a, a very negative impact in my mental well-being mm -hmm. the, first, uh, the first winter. Mm -hmm. And... I understood that I had to change my strategy because my circumstances had changed. And I think that because of that, because of the fact that when I first arrived in the UK, it was winter and I had that uh, very accelerated learning experience about my mental well-being and the change of circumstances that in a way prepared me to face the lockdown because I was aware that things were going to be different and that I was going to be experiencing different challenges. And that if I was not very mindful of what my needs were, then it was very easy that I would have a relapse in, in a, a, an episode of depression. And um, well, thanks to that, I, I have been very, very consistent with my sleep, with my movement, with calling my parents, calling my friends. We need that social contact mm -hmm. that I think that is the most, uh, the lack of social contact, I think, has been the most detrimental part Of, of the lockdown and yes we have uh, contact to uh, through chats and emails and uh, Skype but there are some strategies that can allow you to feel even more connected for example when you are uh, doing a, a video call you are looking at yourself in the mm -hmm. in the in the screen and when you are looking at yourself in the screen that that's not how usually um, interaction with other people mm -hmm. is So you distract yourself, You're seeing your own image distracts yourself. So what I've suggested to my friends whenever we are um, in, in these kind of calls is to um, take your image away from the... So, so to don't see yourself there, mm -hmm. because that way you can really pay more attention to the body language of the person that you are talking to and it becomes a little bit more intimate. So mm -hmm. all the benefits from oxy oxytocin that are uh, that is released when you are in contact with someone that is important for you, I mean, I, the levels are not going to be the same, but we are more likely to experience an increase in that and that's going to be beneficial for us. So all those little strategies are... Um, things that uh, sometimes are trial and error, but what has been very, very helpful from um, talking about my move to the UK and the pandemic is to try to always check in with myself and see what are my needs at the moment and how can I um, help myself. 
Yes, because if we, I'm a firm believer, I always say in my mind that if it's, if it's happy mum or happy wife, you know, if it's happy Deborah, then it's happy mum and happy wife and, and those around me get a, a better version. It's, it's the well-known phrase, uh, put your own ox oxygen mask on first, isn't it? And it's about making sure that you're looking after yourself so that you're able to show up as the best you for those around you. Yes, I I really agree with you in that. We need to to make sure that we are okay because that's the only way in which, in which we can be there for others. And I I think that when you become mindful of the work and the the, the effort, the energy that you're investing in being okay, then it doesn't feel so bad when you are struggling mm -hmm. and you need the help from someone else because you know that you have done what you can mm -hmm. and it hasn't been enough. But not because you haven't done it, because probably you are going through a hormonal change or you lost a loved one. But if you know that you have done what you know that needs to be done for you to be okay and you still aren't, it's easier to ask for help. So that's also something that is uh, very powerful. It's interesting. Um, I run a membership, as I think you know, and one of the, I have a little pack of cards that um, I bring out every week and we choose a card. And this week's reflection was, what does being strong mean to you? This is the card. And we were talking about this on, on Monday in our coaching group. And we all agreed that actually the biggest example of strength is asking for help. And it's the one thing that so many of us struggle with, isn't it? Yes, definitely. I think that uh, we are scared to, again, show our world vulnerabilities. But I really learned that it, you are, it takes so much courage to do it. But once you start doing it, as with every other thing in life, practice is going to improve your ability not only to ask for help, but this is something that is going to expand to your circle. So people are going to see that you are asking for help and that it's okay. And that that person that they admire, that they have always seen as a very strong person, is willing to say, hey, I need help. So, of course, that again normalizes the fact that we are uh, members of a society and as such we need uh, the support of, of, of other members of our society. So, it, vulner it normalizes vulnerability again. So, Mercedes, I could talk to you all day, but um, I'm conscious of the time and... Uh, what does the future hold for you? What are your plans for the future? Because you've done all this fabulous studying and I know you have so much to offer. What are your plans for the future? Are you staying in London? Is that a plan? <laughs> Thank you, lovely Deborah. Yes, I, well, the, the plan is to stay in London. Uh, we really like it here, my husband and I. And, well, my dream would be to be able to have a professionally speaking here what I have in Mexico mm -hmm. so um, of course making the decision to move here was practically starting from zero again mm -hmm. um, and that's why I started working in a company because it made a lot of sense 
but um, my dream is to be able to to build my own practice and and to to be able to support people in in a consistent way and to expand just as I was doing when I was back in Mexico so right now I've started with um, offering um, one-to-one programs because that is what at the moment is more suitable with my studies which are very demanding but um, in the future in the near future I I'm going to expand my offering so that more people are able to to work with me and they are able to receive the same high quality of attention that I wouldn't be able to to provide if I uh, just decided to go uh, and do it right now. Mm-hmm. So I must direct people to your Instagram because you do share so much fabulous information and I suppose just to finish I would say that some people may have tuned in today expecting a conversation about diet and (laughs) about exercise I don't think we've talked about exercise much have we but for me the one thing that you do so beautifully is that is this holistic approach and that I, I truly believe that what I learned from you have been real life skills and I think anybody listening to the conversation that we've had would perhaps recognize that some of the techniques some of the strategies you've talked about actually apply in every bit of our lives yes um and yes that's something that uh sometimes happened to me when people start talking to me probably they are expecting uh, a traditional dietitian and, and uh, talk about nutrients and exercise and all those things that I'm passionate about but I just feel they are not the core. Uh, those, as I said, all that knowledge, all that information is power, yes. but the holistic way, seeing a person as a whole and being able to reach uh, the deepest levels of that person is what really is going to promote change. Uh, the nutritional science is, I mean, it. it I, I don't know, I. I I don't want to sound silly, but it's easy. It's just, uh, it's just, they're just nutrients. I mean, they do what they do and you need to eat a certain amount of them. And if you are, um, if you are not getting enough, you're going to have some symptoms. And I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, basic, I would say, but, um, the other stuff, it's what really makes it work. So, um, Yes, I don't know if that was what you asked me, but... (laughs) Absolutely, and I think that's why when I I first thought about asking you to be a guest, I thought this is a a generally, I mean, it's become more personal development and a more general podcast, but it is, I suppose it sits within a business community. But I felt that the messages that you share are just so powerful and they've had a huge impact on my life. And therefore they are so powerful that people can take from this conversation what will help them in their life as well. Mm, Thank you so much, Deborah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mercedes. I know you have a huge amount of studies as well as your clients as well, but I really, really appreciate the time that you've shared with us today. Thank you. Oh, this was wonderful, Deborah. Thank you so much for uh, deciding to invite me. I really, really enjoy these kind of conversations. Um, as you might expect, being a dietitian, 
uh, conversations around um, professional projects or professional talk with me is always about the trending diet or the supplement or the latest workout regime. And I love that. But it's not very often that I get to, to speak about this other side of what I do. So I'm really, really grateful for, uh, to you for giving me the opportunity to expand on this. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and I'd love you to join in the conversation as well. The best way to do that is through social media and I can be found at Instagram and Twitter at DO underscore impact. If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter or learn more about my monthly membership, The Impact Club, please visit the website at deborahogden.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of On Brand With, I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people know we exist. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production.